Williams from the Motivate Podcast Show. And on the Motivate Podcast Show, we always say less, but we definitely, definitely want to believe for more. We don't get what we want in life, friend. The reality is we get what we expect. We don't get what we want in life. We get what we expect. How many want a better life? How many want a better relationship? How many want their children to, their children to do better in school? How many want to get that promotion, bonus, or raise? How many people want that? Almost always. Almost always. Every hand goes up. In, in a live um, session one time, I, I asked a question to the audience. I think it was like 100, 150 people in the audience. So I said, hey, listen, let me ask you a question. How many of you want to work? How many of you want to win the lottery? 100% participation. Every hand went up. People want to win the lottery. And at the time, the lottery was almost a billion, $1 billion at that time. And then I asked the next question. How many of you went out and participated by buying a ticket? A small percentage of the hands went up. And usually it's like 2 or 3% of the people in the audience when I ask that question. So you mean to tell me there were 100 people. Let's just use that as an example. There's 100 people in the audience. Out of 100 people, all 100 people said they want to win. They want to win the lottery. But only three people bought a ticket. Why did only three people, why did only 3% out of 97% out of 100 people, why did only three people buy a ticket? Because the three people that purchased a ticket, they moved beyond just wanting to win, and they purchased an opportunity to win. So they had an expectation that led them to act a certain way. And that's why I say you don't get what you want in life. You get what you expect in life. And so I'm always encouraging people to look at the reason why or the motive or the thoughts behind the things that you do. When was the last time you interrogated, you interrogated the thought that came your way? When was the last time you sat down and you said, you know what, why do I think this way? Why do I think this way about food? Why do I think this way about, um, about exercising? Why do I think this way about relationship? Why do I think this way about my career, bonus, promotion, and raises? Oftentimes, you'll find that that thought is attached to something someone said to you, maybe a negative or, or an emotional experience. Now, friend, understand this. I am not, I am not a licensed uh, uh, psychologist. I'm not a licensed uh, therapist. I'm just simply speaking from experience that I've had and having conversations with other individuals. You don't get what you want in life. You get what you expect. And our expectations, I said this on an earlier broadcast, our expectations are hidden in the rhythm of our thinking. What does it mean to have a rhythm of our thinking? Now, mental health experts have proven that there are about 90% about, well, okay, let me back up. So mental health experts said that we think anywhere between 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, 60 Six sixty to 70,000 thoughts a day. Mental health expert told us. We think from 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And 90% of those thoughts are automatic. 90% of those thoughts are automatic. So 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, about 90% of those thoughts are automatic. So that means that about 10%, five or 6,000 or so thoughts we are intentionally thinking. So our expectations are hidden in the rhythm of our thinking. So we have to look at what's the rhythm of, of our thinking. How do you find rhythm? Rhythm is tested and tried over time. You find the rhythm by listening to something over and over again. You find 
the rhythm by observing something over and over again. And what you will find, in my experience, what you will find is you, there's a rhythm to our thinking. You, if you get a compliment, someone says, your hair looked nice today. And if you say, oh, thank you, this old thing. <laughs> or if you think, oh, why didn't it look nice yesterday? Was my hair jacked up yesterday? Right. Or when you hear a compliment about your clothing you, and you downgrade your art, your clothing. Hey, man, that suit looks nice. Oh, man, I had this suit for three years. Why did you say that? Why did you have the comment or thought about the suit? Why did you have the comment or thought of when someone compliments your hair? To me, that's the rhythm of your thinking. Somewhere in the rhythm of your thinking, there may be a thought that says. I really don't like myself or I don't deserve a compliment. I'm just saying, friend. So we have to dig down. We have to get deep and we have to look at why do I think the way that I think? Because the way that I think is going to determine the way that I act. And the way that I consistently act is going to develop a habit. And habit set the, sets the course for our lives. The way that I think, the way that I think, think is going to determine the way I feel and the way that I feel is going to determine the way that I act and the way that I act consistently is going to develop a habit and that habit is going to determine the course of my life. Now you can change the course of your life, but where do we start first? You start by changing the way that you think and see friend, if you and I can get better, can think better on the inside, and then we will start to produce better on the outside. Because here is a fact. What I hold in my mind, I will eventually hold in my hand. What I hold in my mind, I will eventually hold in my hand. So I have to spend time interrogating my thoughts. Richard, why do you think that way? Here are questions that I ask myself. How do I want to be seen? Right? How do I want to be seen? How do other people think? Um, I mean, how do I want to be seen? How do other people see me? How do I want to be seen? And what do I have to do and say to become the person that I want to be seen as? For example, if you want to be seen as a person um, that is successful, then you have to start looking at what do I have to say and do to be seen as a person that's successful? Now, friends, success starts on the inside. Success isn't measured by the number of assets. Success is measured by the internal thoughts, the healthy thoughts and emotions that we have about the state of our life. Look, when I, in business consulting and working with companies, here's what I discovered, that people leave people long before they leave an organization. People will leave people long before they leave an organization. If you have a boss, a supervisor, a person that's over you, and they are just emotionally low. They are their emotion, their emotional IQ is low, and they are abusive and 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 they're not very positive. People leave that person, even if they like the job, they will leave that person long before they leave a company. So as a leader, you and I have responsibilities in terms of how what type of healthy thoughts and emotion we have for ourselves, and then what type of healthy thoughts and emotion that we have towards other people, towards our team that we're leading. Does that make sense? So we have to interrogate our thinking because our expectations in life are hidden 
in the in the rhythm of our thinking. We have to go to the next level with our thinking. And we're we're doing this self-evaluation. Why, you know, how do I want to be seen? How do other people see me? How would I like to be seen? And what do I have to do? What do I have to do in order to be seen as the person that I want to be seen as? Now, let me preface that question with this. I'm assuming that the person that you want to be seen as is a person that you inwardly, healthily look at yourself. You want to be seen, right? No one wants to be seen as a loser. No one wants to be seen as a failure. No one wants to be seen as a person who doesn't know. I don't believe anyone genuinely wants to be seen as a loser. But we have to evaluate where did that come from? Sometimes it's a result of a traumatic experience. Sometimes it's a thought. Let me share my story. Um, a, a long time ago, at the beginning of my career, um, I was on an apprenticeship program. And it was a, a four-year apprenticeship program, 8,000 hours, and I had to go through uh, five levels of, of, um, uh, of math. I had, to, I had to take trig. I had to take geometry. Right, had to take uh, beginners, intermediate, and advanced blueprint reading. It was to become a CNC operator, machinist uh, for a company. And so I remember during my apprenticeship, about two and a half years into my apprenticeship, um, I'm, uh, I, I, felt as, I felt as though I was doing good. And it was time for an evaluation with the particular department that I was doing my uh, internship in. And so the supervisor at the end of the shift called me into the office. And I was expecting the supervisor to say something like, Rich, we thought, um, uh, Rich, uh, um, we can't imagine um, having operating this company without you. We, you know, I'm expecting to hear that, right? Um, I'm expecting to hear something like, man, we're going to increase your salary. You've been such a blessing. You've been beneficial. You this, this. That's what I was expecting to hear when it was time for the valuation. However, the supervisor said, Rich, you seem to be the most incompetent person I've ever met. Now, I'm sure in that interview, I mean, that evaluation process, that there were some positive things mentioned. But friend, listen, the only thing I focused in on was incompetent, incompetent, incompetent. That hit me like a sharp, hot knife at the core of my being. You know, I tuned out everything and I just zeroed in on that incompetent, incompetent, incompetent. I remember going home, sitting on uh, my basement steps and I cried for like two and a half hours. I was devastated. As a young man, I've never had anyone say that you are incompetent. Now, years later, I had an opportunity to look back because that was a trauma to me. That was trauma. That was a traumatic experience in my life. And I look back on that situation and I realized what was so damaging about those words is that those words connected to a belief system I had at the core of my life. And the core of who I was at that time, I had a thought, a belief system that said that I was incompetent, incompetent, incompetent. And it was connected to things I heard uh, as a young man growing up. So, so I couldn't fault, you know, looking back on the situation, can't really fault the supervisor that said you seem to be the most incompetent person. What I had to look at is why did that word incompetent affect me the way that it did? So I had to do some, I had to do some self-reflection. I had to, had to take a look in. Why did that word impact me? And the second thing I had to do, this, the, discover to do is how to overcome this thought, how to overcome this traumatic experience. 
And how I overcame it was I had to get positive words to erase that. I had to take that thought and replace it with a positive thought. I had to be intentional. I had to be intentional. I had to be intentional about thinking the right kind of thoughts about my life. And so one phrase that helped me during that time period was I started to say information is the difference between success and failure. Information is the difference between success and failure. As a matter of fact, leaving that experience, I went back to school a few years later. And when I went back to school, that thought of incompetency, it tried to come back into my life. It tried to come back up as I went back to school to get a degree in business administration. So what I did was 730 in the morning when I went to school, I went to the library up, up on the chalkboard. I wrote information is the difference between success and failure. And I would just sit there. And for like five or 10 minutes before the start of my day, I focused on information is the difference between success and failure. Because I realized that you're going to overcome being incompetent. You got to have information. And when you get information, information is going to lead to you being a person of value. And when you become a person of value, then people are going to invite you into certain rooms and conversations. Am I making sense? So I had to interrogate that thought incompetent. Why did I feel the way that I feel? And then I had to intentionally replace, I don't feel incompetent. I have information. I'm not incompetent. I'm confident. You see what I'm saying? And how do you become confident in something? You become confident in any area of life. If from practice, you got to practice, drill, and rehearse. How do you become competent? It's easy. You practice, drill, and rehearse. How do, we, how do I become competent? competent in my marriage. I practice, I drill and rehearse. Wait a minute, bro. What do you mean you practice, you, you practice drill and rehearse in your marriage? How do you practice drill and rehearse in your marriage? Well, listen, let me throw this back at you. You're already practicing right now. I know if I say this to my wife, she's going to say this. I know if I say this to my husband, he's going to say this. You're already practicing their response. You're practicing conversations in your head. If I say this, they're going to say this, so I'm going to say this, right? If you get into a disagreement, you know, my wife and I, we don't have arguments. We have heated fellowships. <laughs> we have heated fellowship, right? So we have disagreements. But listen, how do you become competent? Practice, drill, and rehearse. Do you know that uh, it's been said that, that, that it's been said that the difference between an amateur and a professional is that an amateur practices until they get it right. A professional will practice till they can't get it wrong. That's a different mindset. Practice, drill, and rehearse. That's how you become competent. You practice, drill, and rehearse. And when you practice, drill, and rehearse, you become competent, confident, and you sound natural. When you practice, drill, and rehearse, you become conf confident, competent, and you sound natural. So expectations are hidden in the rhythm of our thinking. And we drill down and we look at what are my expectations as it relates to success? What are my expectations as it relates to my marriage? What are my expectations as it relates to my family? And when you drill down and you uh, to, to the core of your thinking, you'll find out what's behind those expectations. And if it's good, you build on it. If it's not good, you intentionally replace it. I could no longer think that I don't deserve success. I think I I deserve, I do deserve success. You know, I stopped thinking I don't deserve 
having this type of success. I don't deserve to live a six-figure lifestyle. No, I deserve to have success in my life. I deserve to live a six-figure lifestyle. That's not bragging, friend. I have added the value to my life with internal thinking. I got information. Um, and now I'm sharing that value with the world through service, through videos like this. So, hey, listen, man, it, um, that's all for today. Um, if you like what you hear, do me a favor. Hit that subscribe button, right? Uh, hit that subscribe button. Uh, get the notifications. If you don't like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. <laughs> get the notification. The Motivate Podcast Show, we always say less, but we definitely, definitely want to believe for more. Let's get it.